Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 246 of Adults with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. I hurt my ankle yesterday, but other than that, I'm good. Um, can you... I, I assumed it would have been your thumbs or your wrists. <laughs> well, see, the problem is I've been playing too much video games lately, so when I do try to do physical activity, my body's like, no, I thought we gave this up. <sighs> gotcha. I've been I've been trying to get out and get some fresh air, you know, in the morning because um, my kid don't have school, but my body's still regulated to getting up that early. Yeah. Um, and I'd been going out for like a walk in the morning, um, but it's been like so shitty and rainy here. Finally, it's good as rain as an old man, but it's like I can't go out for a walk in the pouring rain at seven thirty in the morning, you know? Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, this is the first time it's raining in such a long time around here, and, like, this is the weather portion of the show. Yes. My, my yard is, like, a shade of brownish gray, and it's crunchy when you walk on it. Yep. So I'm like, well, at least, you know, I won't have to worry about mowing the lawn. Not that I do it, but I have a guy. And two days ago, I wake up at, like, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning with the sound of a lawnmower going, and I look out my window the son of a bitch is out there mowing dead grass just to get his money out of me for the week. Oh, bad. So it's like a standing thing that he just comes and mows it, whether it's good or bad every other week. And it's normally not a problem because grass grows, but it's been dead. You know, like it's, it's, there's not an ounce of green out there, but he was just going through the motions so he can collect a paycheck. I was so pissed. Yeah. Listen, he's not, he's not the first person to do it. He won't be the last person to do it. (laughs) Uh, but I have a neighbor on my side. Um, they are the keeping up the lawn people. Mm-hmm. So, like, when it's been shitty, they're out there, like, sodding things and watering. And they have, like, the burlap tarps down so new shit can grow and not get, like, blasted by the direct sun. So their lawn is, like, lush, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, they don't have jobs, I guess. So they can spend their time doing that, you know? Yeah. That's why I don't take care of my yard. I'm just too busy every day. Yeah. You know, um, but I was out before we recorded here. I was out bowling. Uh, Jerry says hi, by the way. Oh, hello. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Thursdays is the combo like money league night, but it's also family night. So we've been going like the last two or three weeks. And uh, I, I used to be a halfway decent bowler like a long, long time ago. And today I bowled 151, which is the highest I've bowled in a very long time, and it felt really good. I'm just saying that on the podcast. There you go. Did you have bumpers in the lanes? Or no, I didn't. Use that rack that you put the ball on. No, it's a, dino- it's a dinosaur. But yes, I didn't mean no, <laughs> no, no. I you know, I I have my thing, and you know, my kid did the league over the summer, and like he's just trying to work out his throw, and you know, we have the the future weekly purchase here coming up of getting him his own ball. Once the new league starts up, cause he didn't want to do summer league. He just want to be a bum, but I get it. Listen, we all want to be bums, but, uh, you know, got a busy weekend ahead of us. Yeah. I, I haven't bowled probably since college. So, you know, I'm an old man. So that's been a long time. Cause yeah. I, play, I bowled in high school. There was like a high school league. Cause yeah. I was really cool. And that was something to do. <laughs> <laughs> I I was in the high school and the college league when I went to college the two years that I didn't didn't finish. 
Yeah. But I don't think I've ever bowled. Like, I was terrible. Like, I probably bowled maybe 130, 140s mm-hmm. by high score. Uh, yeah, not very good. Yeah, it's just like, because we would go and my kid would bowl. But, like, these last two or three weeks, we like, me and my wife have been bowling as well. Um, you know, it feels good, you know, to... It's a it's a it's a low impact lazy man's uh, sport, I guess. Yeah, we need to have a soon to be named network bowling night. Mm-hmm. We do uh, down in that we do it in the basement down at LVAC shows. <laughs> All right, well we can start there. All right, well let, speaking of which, we got an actual show. Enough of our nonsense. Nobody cares about this part. This is what you care about, right? And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So we're going to bounce around a bit with uh, This Day in Wrestling History, right? All right. Uh, So on This Day in Wrestling History, uh, 1996, uh, the Great American Bash uh, emanated, I said remanate, emanated (laughs) from beautiful Moline, Illinois. Uh, We are, what, uh, just about, this is 90, you know, this would have been, I get my podcast, I'm 96, it was actually 97. So we're about a year into the NWO angle, right? Okay. Um, But, like, you got Hall and Nash on the show against Piper and Flair, no Hogan, because, like, Hogan, like, you, people forget, like, he would only do, like, every, like, third pay-per-view back in the day, you know? Well, he had Thunder in Paradise to film. Oh, sure, that's what it was. Um, but the main event of this one was uh, Macho Man versus DDP in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, DDP won their first match that they did back at Spring, Spring Stampede. Macho Man won this one. Uh, but this was, uh, you know, part of them elevating DDP to that main event status, you know? Yeah, I, I've mentioned this before. But one of my favorite storylines of that era was Macho Man cutting promos from the crowd and DDP getting getting the edge and then running through the crowd to escape. You know, that's what got him over. Right. And I have some uh, maybe some wrong dates on some of this stuff. So I got to fix this. Yeah, that's what I figured. I did my numbers wrong. All right. Uh, so also on this day in 2003, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment held the pay-per-view Bad Blood, which they would shortly get away from. Uh, but this was during Goldberg's run into the company. He had just beat Rock at Backlash, and now he's beating Jericho at this pay-per-view. Uh, the main event was Triple H versus Kevin Nash in a Hell in the Cell match. I'm sure that must have been great then. Um, it was okay. Um, wasn't horrible. Um, you know, obviously I saw people tweeting the other day that there was a Sean versus Hunter Hell in the Cell match that apparently was much, much worse. Is that the one that Ed was at? Yes. Okay. I think that, I think that has more to do with Ed being there, right? (laughs) He brought Um, the whole show down. But I vividly remember I did not see this pay-per-view live because I was on vacation visiting family down in Alabama and we were watching Raw, you know, the next night. And my little niece had to be, like, three. And as they were showing the clips of the pay-per-view, she just kept saying, stop fighting. Stop fighting. <laughs> it was it's one of my, you know, she's, like, graduated college and, like, has a real job. But it's one of the memories I have of her. But a match also on this show uh, was Scott Steiner versus Test. For, for the, the love s- of Stacey Keebler, for the services of Stacey Keebler. <laughs> the love. You listen to where your mind goes. <laughs> the services of Stacey Keebler, yes. 
Oh, good times. There was also around the angle of the testicles. Yes. All the test fans for testicles. Oh, great, great television. WWF was the best. It was sad to see how far or how quickly and how far Scott Steiner fell down the card in WWF. Like he debuts at Survivor Series 2002 with like a fanfare where like both brands are fighting for him. He decides to go to Raw and immediately gets the two pay-per-view program with Triple H with Royal Rumble and No Way Out. And they're both terrible uh, pay-per-views, or they're both terrible matches. He's not even on WrestleMania. And then, you know, no offense to Tess, no offense to Stacey Keebler, but, like, you know, this is, like, opening card bullshit stuff that he's doing, you know? I don't know. If you're in a program with Stacey Keebler, I mean, you should probably do that for free. Like, you're not <laughs> you're not there for where you're at on the card or for the championships. If you're in a program with her, uh, you're happy. I guess. Um, so there is no paparazzi production on this day in wrestling history in 2006. Uh, well, there is, but there isn't. Uh, if you remember from last week, Kevin Nash is making his debut in the X division and is taking on a Saban-esque wrestler. And if you know Kevin Nash and you know, uh, TNA, you know where that angle led to. Um, it's more, it's all very visual stuff, so it doesn't play for our stupid audio only podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can find it online, go check it out. How uh, many flips did, uh, Nash do in that match to win? Was it like a 450? Uh, he did a move off the ropes. Okay. I'll leave it up to you to decide <laughs> what rope it was. <laughs> it was, uh, he left his feet, which I was shocked by. Yeah, notorious high flyer, big sexy. Yes, yes. Uh, now, also on this day in wrestling history, and again, technically not wrestling, but uh, I would be remiss, because uh, on this day uh, in 1991, there was the first ever World Bodybuilding Federation oh. pay-per-view was held. World Bodybuilding Federation Championship. Again, much more visual as well, but... A lot of close-ups of uh, arms, legs, abs, chest. You have to imagine this is what's in Vince's mind all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> With close his eyes. Vince looked great these days, Superstars. Hello, everyone. I'm Greg Lewis, along with the Golden Eagle, Mr. Universe, Tom Platts. And Tom, you know, it's just under a decade to the year 2000, but for the sport of bodybuilding, the next millennium is here and now, right now. Most definitely. You know, bodybuilding will never, ever be the same again. In fact, when I first saw the stage, I thought Michael Jackson or Madonna was going to walk out. But instead, we have 13 of the best bodybuilders in the world competing for the first WBF championship. And believe me, they definitely want to make history. Let's let history begin. We're going to watch and the history team. begins with the WBF Body Rockers. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, 
nothing like choreographed dance on the podcast. <laughs> Listen, dude, you, everyone's enjoying the music, right? Yeah. <laughs> There was a time where I was going to assign one of the world the WBF pay per views as homework. There was more than one. There's okay. Well, we'll get into that. This clip is almost over. Obviously, this is a very poor live attendance, you know, Mm -hmm. and it also did very poorly on pay per view itself. Um, but this one, they actually attempt to play straight. And the second one, they have Gene and Bobby as the co-hosts instead of whoever those two bums were. Okay. And it's, it's, it's much more of a WWF production, like an entertainment production, you know? Yeah. Was the first one, the one that had like the special presentation by Lex Luger, like the, the guest posing? Um, no. Okay. So this one has the guest posing. No, what is this? Um, first one, because that's the only one I knew existed. No, there. Okay, so the second one has Lex doing the guest posing. Okay. Yeah, because it's because if this is ninety one, Lex is still in WWF. He doesn't come to. No, hang on. Wait a minute. No, this one ninety one. The first one. Okay, I was again because Luger leaves. No. Yeah, his first WWF appearance was in the WBF. Right. And, and it was and nine, it was WrestleMania 92, WrestleMania 7 which was 92. No, WrestleMania 8. Again, my mind is fried tonight. So it was Mania 8 not, and oh, people are yelling at me. Mm-hmm. Mania 8 which was 92. So this is 91. So he does the guest posing at 92. Because he's still in WCW at this point. Because okay. Second pay per view. All right, and, and yeah, and it was because I was very confused because it's I'm like an 11 year old kid at this point. Like I thought this was gonna be like worked. Like there was gonna be people on this that are wrestling. Like didn't the guy who won it win twice? Like was it Strider or Strider? Gary, Gary Stridum. Yes. There we go. I thought like, oh, okay, when's he going to have his run? You know, when's he coming in and challenging somebody for a belt? Because I didn't get that it was just a weird uh, vanity project of Vince and probably his only one ever, you know? No, they ended up doing a second one. I just meant his only pet project, his only uh, vanity project. But So he had done, prior to this, he did one of the evil Knievel jumps on pay-per-view. Okay. He did a um a Sugar Ray Leonard boxing match on pay-per-view. That was like promoted by the WWF, Titan Sports, whatever. Uh he does the WBF, of course, which is, you know, Ico Pro integrates into all of this as well. You got to want And uh, then he does uh the XFL. So everything other than wrestling and WWE films, of course. So everything other than WWE like actual wrestling that Vince does is always a failure. Well, you just contradicted yourself because WWF Films is far from a failure. Mm-hmm. It's only being propped up by this podcast. <laughs> well, those are some pretty good props. Yeah. Uh, so on this day in 1998, of course, we have our head-to-head uh, Monday Nitro versus Monday Night Raw. Um, Raw, again, it's not a clippable show, but this is like the go-home show for King of the Ring. 
Uh, they're still doing King of the Ring qualifying matches on the show. Um, Sable's back after being gone for three weeks and never to return. From her getting pinned by Marrow? Yes. Okay. She's already back. The angle is, because we didn't do the clips of it last week, but last week they did a whole hum- uh, Vince getting a Humanitarian of the Year award, and Austin <laughs> comes out and stuns everyone. And this is one of those things where like Vince is trying to prove to the fans of how good he is. You know, he could just fire Steve Austin and strip him of the title, but he chooses not to. Granted, he's stacking the deck against him, um, but he's showing how much the fans, he listens to the fans and gives the fans what he wants, and he brings Sable back. And this is, like, kind of the beginning of, like, Sable being, like, in the thrall and whatever of Vince McMahon, like, leading up to the corporation and stuff. Okay, but she was never actually in the corporation, was she? No, no, she never was. But, like, this is, like, the beginning of, like, Vince amassing, like, that group of people. Okay. Or other, like, actual wrestlers other than, like, Patterson and Briscoe, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, main event is, uh, the main event of the show is Austin and Undertaker versus Kane and Mankind in a Hell in a Cell match. Well, that's a hell of a free match for the go-home show to a pay-per-view. Well, it's all the principles of the two main events at King of the Ring. You know, Austin, um, it's the, you know, it's we're doing the tag match here. We're doing the two um, matches at the pay-per-view where it's, of course, Undertaker versus Mankind in the Hell in a Cell match. And it's Undertaker versus Kane in a first blood match, which becomes a Hell in the Cell match. Spoilers, everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to watch uh, that now. You ruined it. Yeah. Uh, over on Nitro, uh, of course, the only like this. So this is um, the night after Great American Bash 1998. Um, whatever. Like, I'm so checked out of most upper card WCW stuff. But this, the pay-per-view had a singles match between Wolfpack Sting and the Giant, who were previously the tag team champions. Okay. The winner of the match, they were tag team champions together as WCW representatives. Giant defects from WCW to join NWO Hollywood. Sting defects from WCW to join NWO Wolfpack. They have a match at the pay-per-view where the winner gets to be the tag team champion and choose whoever they want as their tag team partner. Not confusing at all, but go on. Right. So Sting chooses Kevin Nash to be his tag team partner as tag team champion. But then this begins the Giants character uh, on TV where he begins smoking on TV. Oh, automatically got cooler. Uh Uh-huh. heaters. Um, just, and like, you know, it just, and it, it again, WCB is a mess, upper card. The only part of WCB that's good is the Jericho stuff. Now, again, there's stuff that happens on this episode of Nitro involving Jericho, but if we don't play the accompanying thing that happened on Thunder, it doesn't make any sense. Of course, we'd be irresponsible if we didn't play it both. Right, so for the second week in a row, I have to play a clip from Thunder to set up our clip from Nitro because it's the Jericho stuff. So let's go to what happened on uh, Thunder. All right. Now, if you intend to wear this belt, the executive committee is ordering you, Chris Jericho, to appear at the Great American Bash this Sunday. You will go in the ring. Dean Malenko has already agreed to it. You will face each other at the bash 
this Sunday and let's see who really rightfully deserves to wear this belt because you're not getting it tonight. That's the way to do it. No, this is, I don't, I don't, I'm the champion. I don't need a rematch against Malenko. I'm the champion. I deserve the belt. I legally proved that I'm the champion in this. Dad, what are you doing? Dad, what are you doing here? It's, it's Chet Irvine. Mr. Irvine, go ahead. Chris, I came from Canada to watch you wrestle. And all I've heard and seen of you tonight is whining, crying, and belly aching. What kind of professional athlete are you? Dad, you don't understand. This is Dean Malenko. He came out here. It's a conspiracy theory against me. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. I had the privilege of playing in the National Hockey League for 13 years. I never backed down from anybody. I won some, I lost some, but I never backed down. Look at those banners up there. French Connection. Timmy Horton, a teammate of mine. He's a teammate with a restaurant? Oh. But Dad. <laughs> Chris, shut up. Those were true professionals. That's what I wanted you to be like, Chris. So, Chris, keep your big mouth shut. If you want the belt, indeed, <laughs> Howdy, Jericho. get in the ring and earn it like a man. Until you beat Dean Malenko in the ring, you will never, ever be a true <laughs> champion. Sorry to interrupt. But Dad, that way. I guess place. we're gonna have a champion. Oh, such good stuff. Yeah, like how dare Ted Irvine treat his kid like that? Just trying to get ahead in the wrestling industry. All these people conspire against him, and he can't even get the support of his own deadbeat dad. No one. Ha- Knowing how to get the cheap pop by mentioning the local sports team. Uh, <laughs> and it would have been like, I get what they were going for, but it would have been so great if Ted Irvine hit the ever like Jericho does, you know? Yeah. Well, was he doing that? Yeah, I guess he, he kind yeah. of started before that. Yeah. Oh, man. Also kind of related, but off topic of that clip, I, I always wa- I wondered why there was never any. Like some sports company like Tops or Leaf or whatever, do a dual autograph Ted Irvine Chris Jericho card. There's no joint merch between those two guys. It's it's listen, Upper Deck has the AEW cards from if only if the, if only there was a way that you can convey this information to Chris Jericho himself. <laughs> well, I hear the Twitter blocks don't work anymore, so I might be able to get through to them. Oh really? Well, I, all the ads I blocked are no longer blocked. You and That's I need a, to have a conversation about that yeah, off air. We have to do something about that. But, All right. Uh, yeah, if only if somebody can just, uh, you know, maybe DM Chris Jericho, tell him to unblock me and that I apologize and please forgive me and uh, I can convey that to him. All right. Well, let's find out what happened at the pay-per-view uh, on Nitro here with this clip. All right. As much as this pains me personally... And before I have to listen to any more whining and crying or wasted trips to the Library of Congress to find some ridiculous loophole. Listen to the crowd cheering him. Yeah. Look at this. Here's a pain for you. A pain of the posterior. I am the champion, (laughs) Mean Gene. Freddie Mercury would flip in his box tonight if he heard you. Jojo Dillon, 
Judgment Day has arrived. The birds are singing. There's dancing in the streets. And all of the Jericho-holics are in their true glory. Why? Because once again, I am the new cruiserweight champion of the world. I think you just insulted our... So do what you don't want to do and give back the true champion his prized possession. Give me my belt, baby! <laughs> JJ Dillon. Before I give you the belt, I want you to fully understand one condition. In recognizing you as the WCW Cruiserweight Champion, it is with the understanding that you will defend the title within 30 days. <laughs> He's reaching out for the belt. You'll defend the title within 30 days against Dean Malenko. Hey, hey, hey Dean Malenko. Hey, hold on a second, Jerky. Don't you know who, you, who you're dealing with? I went to the Library of Congress. I know all the rules. Yes. I do have to defend the belt within 30 days. No, I don't have to face Dean Malenko if I don't wanna, or anybody else if I don't wanna. And besides, I've beaten Dean Malenko so many times, he's nothing but a worthless loser, just like his dear old daddy. Oh! Oh my God! Malenko out of nowhere. Cheap shot. <laughs> We've got obliteration here, and it's coming over near the Unprovoked attack from Dean Malenko. Malenko Jericho. Dean Malenko, like a man possessed. Somebody help Jericho. Just like last night. Leave it off. Are picking up actually where they left off yesterday outside in Baltimore. Bobby the Brain Hindus. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Such classic stuff. Such, oh, just unbelievable stuff. Yeah. Oh man. I hope Jericho's okay there. That's all that matters. You know, is he going to be fit to defend his title? Because he's a fighting champion. He'll defend it every week against anybody that wants to. Right. You know. At least once every 30 days. Yeah, that's all that matters. All right. So last but not least, uh, on this day, uh, Wrestling History 2008, uh, 15 years ago, I feel old and you should too, <laughs> um, from, the, from Hellertown, Pennsylvania, was Young Lions Cup Night 3 from Chikara. Uh, up and down the card, a very interesting card. Um, very funny in retrospect, all things considered, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we had Tim Dons taking on Ethan Page. Hey, I know those people. Uh, during the match, Ethan Page, like his gimmick was like he's a movie star or like the highlight reel or some shit like that. And he works into the match a bit, like doing with like the ro uh, uh, like a, a television remote. You know, okay. Uh, like controlling himself. Things. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have uh, the Osirian Portal taking on Sarah Del Rey and Bobby Dempsey with a little bit of tenuous Ring of Honor crossover here. Um, Eddie Kingston versus Soldier Ant. You'd be surprised these two beat the shit out of each other. Mm -hmm. uh, Brody Lee versus one of the most redacted people of all time, Drake Younger. You'd mm -hmm. be surprised these two people beat the shit out of each other. Well, I hope Brody gave it more than he got it. And in the main event, um, you know, the way the Young Lions Cups works is is series of singles matches on night one, series of singles matches on night two, and then there's a six-person eliminator at the end of each of those nights. The winners of those six-person eliminators go into a singles match in the main event um, of this. And uh, the main event was Vin Gerard taking on Fire Ant for the Young Lions Cup. Ooh. Nice. Uh, 
Now, having just talked to uh, Jerry today, uh, Vin Gerard of Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, and I, I'm like, hey, you know, getting ready to do the podcast tonight. I go, it's 15 years since that match. And he goes, oh, really? He goes, glad that worked out for the other guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, ah, time still can tell, you know? Uh, you know, you can come around. You can come back at any time, you know? Yeah, he can get his run. I mean, I hear uh, Fire Ant... Uh, he wrestles a lot. He defends certain titles a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Can I have um, Gerard come in? So, uh, okay. So, it's been 15 years. <laughs> Talk about things. Um, so, this ended up being the last show that Chikara did in Hammertown at this building. Uh, they had been running at this building for since, like, 2005, and they were told this day that they weren't going to be able to run there anymore for whatever reason, okay? That was not in my pay grade, but we were told that this would be the last time that we were running here. Uh, this building is down the road. And when I say down the road, it's maybe like two or three miles away from Sokol's, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that main drag when you come in off of 22, if you just keep going straight toward the casino, you go past the casino past steel stacks past the turkey hill past the waffle house that's there mm. and then you go down a little bit further and it's like it's hellertown history right yeah so vin gerard was originally supposed to win here but because this was the last hellertown show um quack decided to like go out on a high note and have fire ant win instead that was not the plan the very next show they do a rematch. Vin Gerard gets the cup back. He wins the Young Lions Cup so that they could do like what the summer program was supposed to be for Jerry. But they wanted this show to go out like on a high note, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I know these guys. And again, listen, I'm I'm very biased. I know both these guys. Um, and there's a match that's available for free on YouTube um, through Chikara's YouTube channel. It's, you know, if you have... IWTV, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, you know, the show is on there as well. Um, But this was, like, one of the first matches that I got to help, like, Agent, I guess? Oh, Booker Man Joe! Um, Because I know these two guys, and they were going over stuff, and they're like, uh, you have any ideas? And I have a ton of ideas. And, you know, um, I, I never, like... You know, like nowadays, I will. Like nowadays, I, I feel as though I've been doing this a long time now. You know, almost eighteen years, more than that, whatever. And if it's people that I know, sometimes I'll give my input, or if they say, "Hey, whatever," and I'll give like a million ideas because I I think about wrestling all the time. I have a million ideas. Um, so there's a bunch of spots uh, in the match, um, like a bunch of cutoffs, and there's a bit in the match. Spoilers, everyone where Jerry hits Fire Ant with some move on the outside, and then, because of the 20 count on the outside in Shikara, he takes Fire Ant and, like, drags him out the front door. Okay. And then runs back into the ring, and, like, he's gonna he's gonna win that way, right? And that was my idea. And they're like, oh my god, that's, like, such a good idea. Like, that's sh- such a shitty thing for a heel to do. And they did it in the match, and it got, like, a great reaction. And, like, I'm like, ah, it, it made me feel good that they listened. I, You know, not that I said that, because they could have just said, hey, Joe, you got an idea. I give them a bunch of ideas, and they don't use any. I'd be like, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that, like, these guys came to me, they're like, hey, do you have any ideas? 
I gave them ideas and they used them. It, it felt good, you know? Put yeah. myself over a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah, yeah. When, uh, you know, we got to get you uh, back to agenting matches, I think. Mm, I do enough. I, 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 um, I do enough. If, if people want my help, they can get it. I give suggestions. I give, you know, whatever. Um, but that's, again, other people's job to do. I, I usually I uh, I, I give the agent report uh, like the old WWE house shows when Vince would call up uh, Jack Lands and say, how the house shows go this weekend? You know, <laughs> that's that's usually my call on a Monday after uh, an LVSE show weekend. I think somebody tomorrow night should come up to you like a, some of uh, the par- people involved in the match and just have you agent the whole match. Well, listen. I could tell. Listen, I could tell some people right now who might listen to this show how to agent their match. Don't leave your feet. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know. Uh, <laughs> Get to the merch table quickly. You know. Yeah. Uh, figure out where intermission is and make sure your match is right before intermission. Yeah. So you can leave from the ring and go right over to the merch table. <laughs> but he already knows that. He don't need me or whoever yeah. the person is. They don't need me to tell them that. They know this. You know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's a, a little bit bigger of a day in wrestling history, but just a, lo- a bunch of quick hits that I wanted to hit, you know? Absolutely. All right, so let's get into what we'd like to talk about from this last week in the world of professional wrestling. All right, I guess this time I'll start. Um, this a- time? Yeah, just this time. Uh, AEW, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they heard the internet trolls. They heard that all they do is complain that matches are just thrown together. There's no storyline. So you know what they said? You want storylines? We're going to give you all the fucking storylines in one segment. And that was how the main event ended of this past week's Dynamite. You had the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Hung Bucks, uh, Joe's favorite trios team. And... the end of the match uh we had an orange cassidy pop when eddie fucking kingston came out uh he's coming out he's attacking claudio because that was the storyline in ring of honor and it's like holy shit they're gonna run this back but then mox gets in the ring and gets between them so it's like hey remember the storyline from a year or two ago where eddie kingston and moxley were best friends it's like holy shit and that causes conflict between Mox and the Bullet Club, or the Bullet Club, the Blackpool Combat Club. And then Takeshita runs out, and then he's chased off by Kenny Omega because of the whole Don Callis thing. And then we have Will Ospreay show up, and he lays out Kenny Omega because of the Forbidden Door storyline. And it was just like, hey, here's a ton of storylines converging on one chaotic segment. I loved it. And aside from Sky Blue versus Tony Storm, this was probably the best thing on wrestling this week. Um, yeah, I'd be hard pressed to disagree with that. You know, I just have it in my notes simply as Eddie's back. Yeah, but that was just like the first part of it. Um, I love the ending, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like when the other storylines. It was vi- like we are looking at the Attitude Era right now. Um, you know, 25 years on, but, and we were saying how, you know, 25 years on, a lot of stuff doesn't hold up, like individual things, but concepts and, and theories of the Attitude Era do hold up where storylines cross over, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where you have like that big show closing brawl with like 
this storyline and this storyline and this storyline, and it's just kind of all breaking down. Um, wrestling, for the most part, should be chaotic. It should feel like anything can happen at any time. And the ending of Dynamite certainly felt that way. It's definitely letting us know that these are all of our main event angles. Now, I'm not going to get into the bad faith people that are like, well, I don't understand what all these stories are. Mm -hmm. Um, You're just doing this for social media engagement. You're a piece of trash. The one thing that I'll give you is maybe this should have been the go home for um, Forbidden Door. But we've still got five more TVs before Forbidden Door, and a lot can happen between now and next Sunday. Yeah, I, they're still going to in order to sell some pay-per-views. I know that at the end of the day, this is a pay-per-view not for casuals, but for wrestling fans. So, mm-hmm. But they're still going to try to reintroduce a lot of the players, whether it be in you know, tag team matches and stuff like that. Uh, but over the next like week or so before the pay-per-view. But as long as they figure out a way to maybe get rid of Jungle Boy from the Sonata match, you know, there's, I think there's plenty of time, TK. You can, you can call an audible on that. Have somebody lay out Jungle Boy backstage. Stop trying to make main event Jungle Boy a thing. <laughs> I disagree with everyone in this oh, regard. Oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. But Again, go. obviously, I defer to you when it comes to knowledge of Japanese wrestling, of course, and what Sonata's place is, of course. Uh, but I will say, if you're going, if you're not going to give up on the Jungle Boy project, and it certainly seems like the four pillars are not being given up on, obviously outside of MJF, but it looks like they're still leaving Darby at the top of the card. You know, it looks like they're finally going to pull the trigger on the Sammy Jericho feud, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if you're going to keep these guys all at the top of the card, you got to do something with jungle boy. And if this is what it is, I don't think jungle boy is a terrible wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. I actually think he's a really good wrestler, but he's not a great wrestler. And I I think a match with Sonata is definitely going to be a sink or swim moment for him, you know? And if there's any time that jungle boy is going to show, his doubters, his detractors, or the people who don't give a shit about him, what he could do, this is your opportunity. Oh, there's that word. Exactly. I, I'm just of the mindset, and I got nothing against Jungle Boy. Like, I hope he has a great match against Sonata. It's just, you know, we get this forbidden door once a year. So I, you kind of hope for dream matches, you know. Maybe I'm spoiled by the fact we're getting Danielson Okada or or Kenny uh, Kenny Omega versus Osprey, you know. Like there's a lot of those types of things, and I'm like, oh man, like this would have been a great opportunity uh, to put another top guy in there with Sonata. And yeah, they're trying to make Jungle Boy a top guy, but I'm just not buying it. So I'm fine with you showcasing him on like an AEW pay-per-view, but these are so rare. It's like giving a guy a WrestleMania match, you know? Who do you put Sonata in there against instead? Ah, uh, Moxley? Okay. I'm just so, thinking like like guys that have already established themselves as world champions, you know, like I don't want to say Jericho, but I'm like looking at like world champions, you know, MJF has got his thing already. Um, you know, Jericho, Moxley, Kenny Omega's got his thing already. Like top top guys, Orange Cassidy's got his thing already. Wardlow? So, I don't know. Okay, so that being said, so you put Moxley in there against the IWGP champion 
and have Moxley lose? Well, I mean, every challenger is going to lose. Should Moxley think- lose to Sonata? Um, I see no reason why not. He's presented okay. as like a as a stable guy now. He's part of a sum of great, like the parts are greater than, or the the sum is greater than the parts type of situation. Uh, I just think from what I, what little bit that I've gleaned from the timeline in regards to Sonata, I think this is more of a way to give Sonata a win. Obviously, because he's newly crowned IWGP champion, you can't have him lose. And Moxley will eat him up. At least Jungle Boy will go whatever, and it'll be like a nice showcase for both of them. I get where you're coming from. I got no problems with this match. But again, I'm not the Japanese wrestling aficionado that you are and other people on the network are. Yeah. Honestly, this uh, when they introduced him in that video package, that's the first time I ever saw Sonata. Okay, <laughs> I've heard the name from We Need Wrestling, but right. I never, I have not watched any IWGP uh, or New Japan stuff since he became champ. Now, um, I will also ask since you had brought up uh, her name, did you watch Sky Blue on Hey EW this past Sunday? A lot of people tagged me on it, but I don't want her to get pregnant, so I'm keeping my distance. Hmm. Um, I'll give it a watch. Yeah. Yeah, give it a watch. I don't want to spo- I don't want to be the one to spoil it for you. Um, I but- know the big hook that was teased of why she was excommunicated from her church because okay. I saw the WWE stands being like, "TK, how are you putting a person like this on your television?" Do you understand that she was probably like 12 when she did this <laughs> and anyway okay so i'll say this it wasn't until she talked about lighting another child on fire <laughs> in her church um that she came off as someone who has little to no personality and pun intended she really lit up when she got a chance to talk about lighting a person on fire <laughs> that's uh, that's scary and or uh, a, a big plus. I don't know. <laughs> and over under Adam, do you think uh, Mama Blue is older or younger than you? Uh, like her mom, you mean? Yeah, her mom who was on TV this week. And oh. in a pre-tape that was on like or like a, like a thing to set up the match for a collision. Uh, I'm just going to assume because you're saying this and because Sky Blue's 23 that her mom's probably younger than me. I have no clue how old she is, but I'm just uh, saying I'm, I'm 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 asking you to wager a guess for me. That's all. Uh, I don't know. She, uh, I, all I know is I look great for my age. Uh, okay. <laughs> um. What so okay, what I got is you know obviously it feels like it was forever ago because it was. Um. You know the match is happening. I think this week on Collision. I don't know because I didn't look at the spoilers. But it was set up on last week's Collision, the big six-person match, where I thought, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, we got the Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus uh, Soraya and Jericho. And I said, broke is that match. Woke is Mark Briscoe and Aubrey taking on Double J and Karen. They, AEW, one-up me with the announcement. That it wasn't going to be that. It wasn't going to be a tag match. It was going to be a six-person match where it was going to be Double J, Jay Lethal, and Karen Jarrett taking on Aubrey Edwards, Jay Briscoe, or Mark Briscoe, my apologies, Mark Briscoe, 
and Papa Briscoe <laughs> on on his podcast this week. Jeff put over uh, that Karen doesn't know anything about. She doesn't know any wrestling moves or holds. She's just gonna beat the shit out of Aubrey. <laughs> and then uh, Conrad was talking about how the main event of Collision for this week, which got announced. Um, it's, uh, Samoan Joe and Bullet Club Gold against, uh, Cum Farter. <laughs> <laughs> and Conrad put the thing that the matchup that he wants to see is Karen Jarrett versus CM Punk. <laughs> and I say, my money is all on Karen Jarrett. Put all the money on Karen. Now, I know that you have firmly established yourself as anti-Aubrey Edwards, not as a person, but specifically for her chicanery as a referee. She has cost Double J, the AEW Tag Team Champions, not once, not twice, but thrice. Shameful. Shameful behavior, biased refereeing. (laughs) Now, with that being said, are you going to root against Briscoe and Papa Briscoe? I got no choice. Okay, I was just making sure that you, you know, you weren't gonna pull some chicanery where you're like, oh, well, I kind of if they can eliminate Aubrey, then it could be a tie. You know, I, listen, I listen more. I love Mark Briscoe. Papa Briscoe is one one of the most underrated characters in all of professional wrestling. But Double J is Double J, and he's got the Queen by his side. Mm-hmm. Come on. Okay, just making sure. All and right. that's that's gonna be on the the first collision. I, 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 okay, so I think it was taped for Rampage this week. I don't know. Okay. I just, I, I'm going by what we've seen, which was them doing the angle on last week's Rampage to set the match up. Jeff, when he recorded his podcast this past weekend, certainly seemed to think it was being taped for uh, Rampage this week. Okay. <laughs> That's all I can say, you know? Fair enough. All right, Joe. I have one last thing. Okay. And that is that MiriamWebster.com <laughs> defines coward as one who shows disgraceful fear or timidity, lacks courage or fir- firmness of purpose. The reason why I mention this is because on July 29th at VCW, Virginia Championship Wrestling. Oh, here we cowardice. fucking go. What's that? Here we go. Cowardice is on display for the world to see. And that is because that man with the yellow streak up his back, and that's not Tanner, that's that's cowardice, Broski will not be challenging the top guy in the territory, the ace of VCW. He will be challenging, checks my notes, Brandon Scott. And I'm sure this Brandon Scott guy is a good hand, but you know what? He's not the champion. He's not the boar. Broski says it's all about the money, the buzz, and the gold. If you haven't heard him say that, you haven't listened to any of his podcast appearances in the last year and a half. But you know what? Money comes from main eventing, which is where the bore will be. The buzz comes from wrestling the most toyetic SOB on the indies. And the gold is when you wrestle for the championship. How can you be the belt collector or the indie god if you're afraid to challenge the champion. At least Steph DeLander is not a giant coward. She'll be facing uh, Erica Lee. But 
Broski is ruining this. He's ruining what was going to be the soon-to-be-named network meetup of the summer. And I'm just super bummed. And I'm glad. I'm glad for his health that he's not going to get squashed by the boar. But uh, this is throwing my my major bendy plans in, in like in the garbage. This is ruining everything. When I saw that news break, like pretty much the next day after we recorded last week, oh, I was seeing red. Uh, I, I'm just I'm I'm very mad. So I tweeted it out and I said, Broski talks about being some sort of belt collector, some yep. sort of indie god. But he comes to t- he comes to the new town, sees a champion bigger than him, stronger than him, and a better merch mover than him. Yep. And he th- and again for a yellow streak to show up on as dark as a fake tan as Broski has, that's got to be a thick yellow streak. But it's popping out here. It's going so much up up the back of his uh, entire body. You could see it through the topics that he puts in the back <laughs> of his bald spot. But that's fine. He wants to play it safe. He wants to come in. And then, and listen, I know exactly what Broski's trying to do here. And uh, again, I'm going to I'm gonna channel my inner Taz. Not that Broski listens to this podcast. But I'm going to blow up your fucking spot, Broski. And first of all, because he's a coward, it's Broski all lower letters now. No caps anymore. <laughs> Fuck that shit. You don't deserve. Not even a first letter capitalized, right? Yeah. So what he's doing is... He's coming into town on the first night as the baby face. So he can move all that merch. He's probably doing, uh, again, he's stealing everything from the boar. He's probably going to go on right before intermission. So he could go over and move all the meet and greets, milk as much money out of the town as he can. And then at the end of the night, when boar is victorious, and listen, I'll tell you this, I don't know who the boar is fighting that night, and it don't matter because it's going to be a win. Don't matter if it's one person, two people, ten people. Boar's beating them all. End of the night, Broski's going to come in, stick the shiv in the back to set up the challenge later on down the road after he's already milked the town out of the babyface money. And then he's going to come back in against a weekend rundown, maybe a board that's had three matches in one month. God forbid, let's not go there. You know, what sort of champion wrestles three times in one month? Um, that being said, that's like I, know what Broski's up, I know what Broski's up to. He's going to see the boar. Again, it's one thing to see the boar on a poster, right? Yeah. It's one thing to see the boar on a video. But when Broski gets there in person, he knows his goose is cooked. He knows he ain't going to wrestle the boar in no singles match because he ain't going to do it. They're going to set up a tag match. I know what Broski's up to. He's a scumbag. He's a scam artist. He's a chicken. And he's a coward. I uh, I can't disagree with any of that. What a piece I- of trash. Yeah. Just, but a coward, a coward, most importantly. Yeah, I, it's just like you can be like, oh, I'm not afraid of Nick Gage. I'm not afraid of this guy. I'm not afraid of that guy. But the boar, the boar was the line he would not cross. Uh-huh. It's, <laughs> oh, it, and it's again, it's nothing about in-ring stuff. It's nothing about in-ring stuff. It's all about size and it's all about merch moving. The things that Broski actually cares about. What's he always say? The only things that you can control is what your look and your merch. Something like that. And Bro- yeah. and Boar's got to beat on both, man. Maybe the Boar should release a podcast. It's like how to be an indie god, and then Broski can listen to that. Yeah, that's tips. what he should do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Boar should release a, a podcast as how to not to be a coward. Yeah, yeah. How to come into a territory and challenge for a championship and not, you know, some guy looks right. like a fucking Lego. 
<laughs> and listen, I, I I don't know who the guy that Brodsky's fighting is. I got nothing against this guy, okay? Yeah. I, I know a lot of people are taking shots at his look, it is this and is that. He's probably a nice guy, right? Oh, I'm, I'm sure he is, but his biggest problem is that he's not the boar. And again, that's a lot of people's biggest problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you for letting me jump on there. I jumped on a lot of your stuff. Last thing I got, um, and again, I think we might need a grease jingle. Um, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, I don't know if you saw the um, on Raw this past week, the Alpha Academy training vignettes with Maxine Dupree. Oh, yeah, I saw those. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I like her gear choices. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm just, again, I don't want her to be out for nine months, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, you're learning. <laughs> but that's all I got for this week. That's that's why Stacey Keebler has, like, four kids, just so you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, if that's all you have... For this past week, did you know that there's some indie wrestling this weekend? There is. It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kofi Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? All right, Joe, we're going to start with the one that is closest time-wise, and that is tomorrow night's The LVAC Let's Hang Out. And according to Joe's handwritten notebook, there are six matches, uh, none of which are on the pre-show. Joe, do you know the card for LVAC's Hangout? Let's hang out. Okay, so it is my job to know the card. And I will say, um, I I feel as though they're playing a little fast and loose um, announcing an extra match, you know, in the 11th hour, 24 hours before the show, uh, changing the main event. But I think I could do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the boar and Erica Lee gummy boar taking on Jakob Hammermeyer and Bojack. All right. That's the main event, but go on. Uh, we have, well, it's the main event. It's the match before intermission. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Yeah, well, the the main event in our hearts. Go on. Uh, it we have uh, I almost said his real name. Oh, we have Hot Sauce Tracy Williams taking on the debuting Anthony Green. All right. Um, and I know the tweet said that this is the first time singles contest, but I got to double check that. I'm probably going to ask uh, Hot Sauce when I see him tomorrow. Uh, I love Hot Sauce. He's one of my favorite dudes. Period. Uh, he's just like the best. We also have uh, Simon Sutherland's makeshift team of Kodama of the Batiri and Jeff Cannonball taking on uh, Havoc and Lucky. Lucky, who scored the pin in the main event at the last LVAC show, which is a big, huge deal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Edith uh, Surreal is taking on a newcomer, someone who has like absolutely no social media presence that I could find. Uh, Anastasia Morningstar. Uh, it would appear that uh, they have an Instagram. I don't know, no Instagram. I'll have to get on that before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so they announced um, CPA making his triumphant return to the Valley. Uh, taking on another newcomer, uh, someone who I know nothing about. Again, this match was literally announced like last night, Wednesday night. Junie Underwood is his name. Yeah. 
And again, I don't know how I feel about booking one person named Juni, who I won't sit still for. <laughs> um, then we have the main event, where we have the LVAC All-Stars, which is Big Dan, Cheeseburger, uh, C- Clara Sierras, and Mantis, taking on Sidney Bacabella's team. And I know they pulled Becca out. And I feel bad I don't remember the new girl's name. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't remember her name. Taking on Channing Thomas, Ryan Mooney, and Rex Lawless. Uh, it's, I don't know if I pronounced this right, but it's Shannon Lavangi. Okay. Right. So, okay. again, eh, listen, my notes are a little incomplete. This is why I usually wait until, like, right before I leave the house to write them up, you know? Yeah. But I'm, I'm surprised. Again, I was pumped to see the sixth match added. You know, I'm, I'm more of a fan. I know a lot of people complain, oh, this indie show is too long. You know, but I'm also of the mindset that I'm like, oh, five is a little bit too too little for my taste. I like a nice, nice even six. I'm good with five. I'm good with six. Um, listen, it's not my show. You know, I just do the commentary there. I might be, maybe would have like folded something in to make it a trios match, but that's just me. Um, but it is what it is. I'll be there. I'm a company man. I love these shows. They're a lot of fun. Um, I leave before the bands start playing. So, uh, you know, there are bands playing there. I guess the bands are big deals if you're into that sort of music, but I'm not. (laughs) Does Joe know the band? Absolutely (laughs) not. All right. Well, maybe you know the band for this next show, but on Saturday, AIW will be hosting Over the Line. And for this show, Joe, according to all of AIW's social media and their new Facebook group, there are eight announced matches plus one pre-show match. Do you know the card? Is Sammy Zayn standing down to the ring? Is Kobe Kingston doing his thing? Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? If there's two shows, we're playing the jingle twice. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so uh, do I know this card? Maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, and again, I'm not going to say that I cheat, but uh, <gasps> obviously, usually within the last like couple of hours of us doing the show, I'll... I always end up listening to just the way that the podcast schedule works. Um, the card is subject to change, the AIW podcast, and I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet. Well, their last episode, well, you might be, you know, you're like special, but their last published episode was over a week ago. <sighs> Adam, do you know how RSS feeds work? <laughs> I don't want to learn. Google Podcasts, the last episode was June 6th. A new episode came out like this afternoon well it's not on google so it's not out uh, well listen you and you and you and google are good i don't know go fuck yourselves i don't know <laughs> all right <sighs> so we have um money shot defended the tag team titles versus jb and wes yep uh jb and wes should win but i don't think they're gonna i think there's gonna be some sort of chicanery right okay um philly collins is taken on isaiah Bronner. Yeah, Isaiah uh, Bronner, who was on Indie Wrestling Guide this week and said unkind things about Arthur or about uh, Long John Silvers. 
I know. I was I was surprised to hear that. Um, yeah. but I, I was gl- I was glad to hear Isaiah roll with Ed's little bit. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, PB Smooth taking on Shaw Mason. Yep. Um, I'm just trying to remember the match graphics. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. I know they just announced today Dominic Guarini is taking on Logan Easton LaRoe. Yeah, and it's funny because I was making my notes for this last night. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, they announced Dom and they announced Logan. They're on the posters individually. Yeah. But they haven't announced a match for either one of them. So I just tentatively wrote down Dom versus Logan and it ended up being right. There you go. Um, uh, trying to think. Um Who's the kid who does the AV stuff now? I feel so bad. Chase Oliver. Chase Oliver. I feel so bad. I don't remember a lot of the new kids' names. <laughs> um, Chase Oliver is taking on Lewis Linden. Yep. Um, Jocelyn has a match against someone. I believe a debuting Kayla Cassidy. Okay. Um, Kaplan is in a four-way where it's him marino uh holloway and someone else <laughs> this is your bias against the latest crop of graduates but yep vic vice okay how many is that uh you still have one you have one main show match remaining and then the pre-show Okay, I and again, listen, I don't do pre-shows, but I'm pretty sure that the pre-show is that Bear Shark kid doing an open challenge or something. Yep, Tyson Riggs open challenge. Okay. Now, I, I, I mentioned before, okay, um, when we were talking about that Chikara show from 15 years ago, when Mike found out that it was the last time that they were able to run in the Hellertown building... They switched the finish and had Fire Ant win the Young Lions Cup, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the status of this bowling venue is, but listen, if you're going to do a venue like this, you want to have a title match in your main event. You want to make that main event mean something. You do a title switch in that main event, even if you're hot shotting it, right? Because don't AIW have another show next weekend or something? Yeah, very next week, uh, okay. next Friday. So even if you hot shot it, right? If you're going to put the belt on Rip City you have that be the main event. But you ain't going to put the belt on Rip City. You have the main event be Duke defending the Haas boot against friend of the show, possible co-host of this show, <laughs> Arthur MacArthur. Hell yeah, the main events of the evening. I don't care where they end up putting it. If they try to hold the match back by putting it earlier in the card, I don't care. We're stealing the show. We're bringing that Haas boot back to my Detolfs. It's Detolf worthy, Joe. I'm going to keep that thing in a nice spot up on the top next to the Boar mask. I I do recall the original uh, Haas trophy was just like a little bullshit. Like it must have been like six inches big. It was like a little like trophy that you can get like from a trophy store, like leftovers of a boot, you know? Uh, Yeah. And I will give the Duke credit that he really classed up the, uh, (laughs) the boot. You know, yeah. Uh, when he won it, and I'll just say I think Artie will add a lot more class to it when he wins it uh, this Saturday night. 
Yeah, and I mean, Duke's had a good run. You know, yeah. he's defending that title all over the country, uh, all over the world even. And, you know, just anybody who wants a shot at him, he's been putting it up for granted. And he's defended it successfully every single time. But I think he's finally run into, you know, somebody more of a Haas than he is, you know, and that's Arthur MacArthur. So I, I wish the Duke best of luck in his attempts to regain the title or whatever his future may may uh, hold for him. But clearly this is Artie's time. And, you know, maybe maybe Artie defends it against Chuck. I don't know. Oh, Other boy, Haas let's hope out there. not. Yeah, yeah there I, are yeah. lots of... Well, so here's where we run into a problem is, of course... If Artie wins the boot, then that's going to run into his tag team with Chuck, as you mentioned. And he's going to have to like make his decision, am I a singles wrestler champion, or am I going to try to regain the tag titles with Chuck? But then, now Artie's a marked man. He'll have the rematch with Duke, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're going to have people like Kaplan, people like uh, Holloway. Um, again, not taking anything away from Artie, but those are some big motherfuckers. Well, that's why I think that he needs to stay on good terms with uh, oh. Chuck Stone. You know, make sure he has some backup. Oh, I, he, I, oh, I he like wins they, it. He wins it, and he turns it into a Haas tag team boot. Hey, and boots come in pairs. Right. Yeah. All right. I like that. I like that. All right. See, a and lot then, of ways we can go with that. Right. <laughs> I'll go talk to the brass and let them know. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about people who don't listen to my dumb ideas. <laughs> Yeah, it just writes itself. It's like you have Artie backstage celebrating with the boot, and then all of a sudden Chuck's like, look what I found, the other one, and now he got tag team boots. They steal it out of, uh, yeah. <laughs> they steal it out of Duke's uh, bag or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but now it should be a fun show, and I'm looking forward to bringing home the hospital, you know? All right. Uh, so we have uh, homework that will be over on the uh, Patreon. That's correct. You assigned me from January 25th, 2000, WCW Thunder. Right. And uh, you can go read uh, the recap by our friend Kevin over at his website, MassLibrary.com. Uh, obviously, if you're signed up for the Patreon, you're going to get that show uh, later on tonight, tomorrow, whenever these shows come out, you know? Yeah, yeah sometime after midnight-ish. And even though there is two indie shows this weekend... There is no pay-per-view this weekend, so, Adam, you're assigning something, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. I, I, I really, we need to update the bylaws that two indie shows count as one pay-per-view going forward. But until we amend it, your homework for next week, Joe. I'm going to give you a break. We're going we're gonna to press pause on the film over of Mike the Miz Mizanin, and we're going to go back in time. We're going to watch something that is streaming for free on Tubi. Oh, good. We're going to watch 1986's Body Slam. (laughs) It is a movie that I probably haven't seen since 1987. But as soon as I uh, started doing this list, when we founded the Patreon, it was uh, one of the first things I wrote down in there. Starring Dirk Benedict, who was the face of the A-Team. The face? Oh, he actually, not the face, he was face. Um, Adam, could I just go get the episode of Longbox Heroes After Dark from five and a half years ago where Todd and I reviewed this? 
Nope, that doesn't count. I haven't seen it in 30 years or so, 30 plus years. So fresh viewing, fresh review. Uh, so just uh, for those folks that are looking for that sort of thing, uh, After Dark episode 170, uh, Todd and I watched uh, Body Slam. Yeah, and that again, that was five years ago. That was pre-at odds. That was a different world. That's true. That's true. Um, I So I even just having seen this five years ago, <laughs> I remember so much about this movie because... Um, it was on HBO all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned. I thought I learned a lot of things about wrestling from watching that movie, and I uh, was very shocked to learn that a lot of they lied to me in that movie. But we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, but this is a fantastic movie. Uh, even though I could be doing a million other things and spending my time doing anything else, I'm looking forward to watching Body Slam again. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. Uh, after week. that, we go back to the Miz movies, <laughs> or, or we won't. I don't know. I'm very, I'm very up and down with this stuff. I've got a long list. It's your, it's your gimmick. It's your thing. You know. I know. I know. And some, some people have reached out to me with some suggestions after last week's call to arms. So thank you. But yeah, all bad ideas. I'm sure. <laughs> Somebody even gave me that WWE produced uh, pay per view of Girls Gone Wild. It's your igniter. Well, I'll get that. Oh, hang on. Thing you have I'm trying to get the link done. for it to put in the show notes, and it keeps playing the fucking ads. <laughs> fucking ads. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I said somebody sent me the WWE produced Girls Gone Wild pay per view. Okay. <laughs> so that's on the back burner too, but I remember that being uh maybe maybe slightly cancelable in twenty twenty three, but we'll see. Well, I might have to watch it a couple times to see if it uh <laughs> if we're allowed to do it on Patreon. Well I, I Adam, you know, one, only one way to find out, and two, you're uncancelable, aren't you? This is true, but I'm looking out for you, Joe. You're going to Oh, thank you, thank you. You know? (laughs) You have a reputation, I'll hold. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. But yes, next week, Body Slam, tonight, WCW Thunder. Uh, Again, because it's uh, available on Tubi, I recommend this movie. Uh, If you're a fan of 80s wrestling, um, you will absolutely enjoy this. And I'm surprised you're... Not only picking a movie that took place before 1990, it's a movie about wrestling that takes place before 1990. I, I know this is a gray area because wrestling started in 1990. Everybody knows that. But movies started in 1986 when uh, Transformers the movie came out. Gotcha. You know, uh, so I, that, that's where it cuts off. I, I, will, I will give uh, folks a heads up. Again, obviously, I recall this from you know watching it, whatever it was. Uh, there are lots of slurs in this movie. Um, lots of F slurs in this movie. Okay. Just, just as a trigger warning, again, this was a PG movie in 1986, 1987. It was a very different time. Just yeah. be prepared for that sort of language to be used liberally throughout this film. Ah. <sighs> Such upstanding individuals on this cast that I'm seeing here. I'm surprised any one of them would agree to say those words into a microphone. <laughs> Are you, oh, well, listen. If you've never <laughs> seen this other than Dirk Benedict, um, and is it Tanya Roberts is the uh, female lead? Yep. All right. See, again, <laughs> I'm very, very familiar with this film. <laughs> like I said, I saw it on television probably... 87, 88, and that was the last time I saw it, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, I'm looking forward to 
it to it as well, but I'm also looking forward to the voicemail. Let's get in some voicemail, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, it's Ben Pasco. I mean, with so much going on in wrestling, a collision, CM Punk's afraid Hangman's going to shoot on him. Right. I'm sure another person on Adam's grief list is pregnant by now. So the question <laughs> I want to ask you guys is, if you were going on supermarket sweep, what is your strategy to win the sweep? And there is a correct answer. Ooh, that that's actually that's might be my favorite question in a long time. Uh what's expensive in a grocery store baby formula okay okay so this is um okay so i follow ben on social media thank you for the call ben and he was tweeting uh the other day about how he's very like hyper focused on this right now okay which is more than likely why he called in with this um so are we going by like classic supermarket sweep rules or like groceries as of today right yeah because, um, I mean, if you're doing today, just go to, like, the pharmaceutical aisle and just take, like, vitamins and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. So your thought process is baby stuff, as you mentioned, diapers and formula and that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But that's – while that's high-ticket items, that's taking up a lot of space in your grocery cart. And you got to make several trips to get that stuff back, you know? Mm-hmm. You gotta go high price, high high price, high cost, and low space in your grocery cart, right? Yeah. So you know, obviously, you're thinking back to 1980s, you know, 80s time when the show was on the meat. And if I remember correctly, they would put a limit on you that you could only get five of any one item, right? Yeah. So you just didn't go right to the most expensive thing and fill the cart up with it. Right. Right. So. Um, obviously if we're going by today's logic, I think we're with you where you just go and get any sort of medications, aspirins, uh, makeup, stuff like that from like a a day's grocery store. Yeah. Go to like where they have the razors that are like 40 bucks that are on the pack, lockable packs. Right. And that's the other thing is, is that stuff unlocked when you're going to do the thing? It's not as easy as a question as one would think. It's a very deep question, but. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think like you go to like the vitamin section you know those are right on the shelf and like a, a a small bottle of vitamins is at least 20 bucks right and even if you only get a lot to get five of any one thing there's lots of vitamins there there's lots exactly. of aspirins ibuprofens whatever right you just mm-hmm. grab five 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 of everything whether you need them or not you're looking to win right <laughs> exactly yeah. and i hear condoms are expensive I just grab yes. a bunch of those. <laughs> okay. I'll take your uh, no, word I'm for just... it. <laughs> but there's different varieties of that, and those are expensive. And uh, I don't know where I was going with this. I was going to make a joke, but now I, I chickened out of it. So. <laughs> but anything in that, like, health aisle. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. beauty and health section, you know? Yeah, don't even leave that section. Yeah. Or go to, like, the magazine section, because every magazine's like, $10 a piece. Yeah, that's not... Uh, yeah, it's just food is the wrong choice. Yeah, it's all some type of health and beauty item, or something that is a dinosaur that's overpriced, like a magazine. Uh, hmm. All right. No, but f- food is uh, food is a no go. Steaks are a no go. Baby stuff is a no go. Again, vitamins, beauty supplies, razors, that sort of thing. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Thank you for your call, Ben. Next call. 
Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Um, going to ask a question as a segue between the question part of the main show and the Patreon discussion of WCW Thunder. They'll be coming later on tonight. So on the episode of Thunder, there was a thing taking place at the WCW Nitro Grill, which was in Vegas. Um, I never went to that one. Uh, I never got a chance to go to WWE New York. And the era of the themed restaurant seems very much over. But if it wasn't over, if there was an AEW themed restaurant, what would be a signature wrestling themed dish that would be served at the AEW restaurant? I'm assuming it would have to be in Vegas. Uh, so that's a ridiculous question for this week, guys. Um, have fun at LVAC. Wish I was there. I'll try to make it sometime in the future. Um, I'm going to save a lot of this story for the Patreon, but, oh. but no, I'm going to say watching WCW Thunder and the mention and them showing the Nitro Grill caused me to go down the rabbit hole that I've been threatening for a while of searching for Nitro Grill items on eBay. And uh, I got a couple on my watch list, Joe, and we'll talk about it on the Patreon. Uh, some high-ticket Nitro grill, grill items that I'm looking at maybe adding to the collection, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, there has to be some type of, like, orange Cassidy, like, orange sorbet, like, dessert, right? I, I would go with an orange Cassidy orange chicken. Okay, yeah. Right? Something, um, like, he's just a slam dunk that there would be something there, you know? Right. Like, uh, there'd be, like, a hangman steak, you know, like, some type of, like... Uh, okay, okay. Um, I got two. Go for it. You got, because uh, obviously it's a nitro, gr- or it's an AEW grill, it's a bar and grill, so there's going to be a bar, they're going to be serving alcohol, there's yeah. going to be a Jericho drink. <laughs> That's just literally every alcohol that there is. I think sometimes they'll call it like the the barkeeper's rag or whatever it is, right? Yeah, and it's at one. It's in one of those giant like Ocean City glasses that you get. That's like the size. It's like five feet tall and has a long straw. Right, and it <laughs> looks like it's salt around the rim, but because it's the Jericho drink, brother, that ain't salt. <laughs> yep. And. There would be a uh, themed thing, and again, the name of it, uh, again, it's less about the name and, like, the the, the thematicness of it. There would be some sort of, like, bone-in chicken wing thing that's CM Punk-themed, where the bones inside the wings are so brittle they break immediately when you touch them. (laughs) It's like the meat just falls right off the bone. Yes, (laughs) yes. With little effort. (laughs) Meat and muscle off the bone CM Punk wings. <laughs> CM Punk's best in the world wings. <laughs> They're only available three times, a, three months a year or whatever. It's like the McRib, but rare. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for your call, Kevin. And we'll uh, get, I guess, I guess there's more Nitro Grill discussion to be had on the uh, Patreon show. And I look forward to it. Yep. Next call. Hello, Adam. Hello, Joe. It's the strongest man in all the land. Arthur MacArthur here. Uh, don't really call it as much as I should. I need to make that more of a thing. Anywho, uh, two things. First and foremost, I have to plug our show this Saturday in Youngstown, Ohio, Over the Line. It is a special guest, Carlito and Raven. 
going to be a great time. If you're in the area, come check us out. Get those tickets now or watch us live on Fight TV. Now, I have a big match with the one, the only, the Duke this Saturday in Youngstown for the Hoff Division Golden Boots. And to tell you the, tell you the truth, I'm feeling confident. You know, I have gained a few pounds here and there. I'm feeling like a rightful Hoss. If you go back in the archives of the of the podcast of uh, the card is going to change, I remember the Duke saying that I think I'm a Hoss. This was a dated one back when I had first started. I was a lot skinnier then. I've definitely put on some mass, you know, cultivated mass, mm-hmm. as you will. And I'm feeling confident. You know, I need to. I definitely needed this one after getting eliminated in like half a second at the gauntlet. So, Mr. Duke. Congratulations on crossing 2,000 days. You ain't making it to three. Is Artie Max bringing that uh, boot back to the MacArthur residence. But speaking of boots and titles, in the spirit of that, what are some of your favorite championships that weren't title belts? You know, we see too many, you know, championships being represented with title belts these days. That's boring. I want something new. I've heard of a promotion out in New York or New Jersey or wherever where PME uh, were champions and they had golden jackets. Now that mm. I love. We need more clothes as our title belts, quote unquote. You know, we have this, this boot here. We have those jackets over there. Name me some of yours. And if you can't, what should be a title? And don't say trophies. That's also boring. That's all I got for now. Y'all have a great weekend, and Adam will discuss um, who gets the boot on either weekend and whatnot. We're going to have to figure this one out. Take care, guys. I can't wait to discuss boot visitation rights, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, the trophy would have been the slam dunk. What about, like, crowns? Like, didn't they used to defend the king of the ring, or am I just making that up? They used to defend the king of the ring, yes. Yeah, so like that's when you had like Haku and Ma- Macho King and Hacksaw Jim Duggan as champion because it's like okay, you not only win the the crown as a championship, but you also get to have the gimmick change with it if you so choose, you know. Yeah, but if yes, you, if you want to, yeah. I, I'm with uh, like I'm with like getting a title, like not like a belt, but like you're now a king, and then you have like the crown and the whatever it is, and then when if someone defeats you for it, they kind of mold it to look and feel like part of them and. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I like medals, like a, a medal that you would wear around your neck. Okay. Um, old UWF TV title was a medal that you would wear around your neck. And, you know, obviously there was a time when Kurt Angle would, like, come out with his gold medals and there'd be matches where his gold medal, like, the possession of the gold medals would be on the line. But I think a medal would be something interesting, you know, um, to represent a championship. And already mentioned whatever promotion it is where PME were the champions, where as the tag team champions, they got jackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, late 04, early 2005 uh, in IWA Mid-South, which is, you know, listen, it is a very influential fad. A lot of people came from that promotion, went through that promotion, cut their teeth in that promotion. But there was a period of time where they were tag team champions in name alone. There were no belts. Um, and when Eddie Kingston and Blackjack Marciano won the quote-unquote tag team titles, um, for a period of time, the titles were represented by sweatshirts. 
<laughs> they just wore red sweatshirts down to the ring, and those were uh, recognized as the IWA Mid-South Tag Team titles. What about, you know, late or mid to late 90s WWF when it seemed like every single tag team champion was managed by Sonny. Now, I get Sonny was not the championship in and of itself, but it seemed like she followed the belts. Right. How about, like, some type of manager or valet that immediately is associated with the champion? I think at that point, especially today, that's towing the line at human trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. you're you're gaining possess like uh, with these titles you're also gaining possession of this person you're uh, gaining the services uh huh right, listen from- you're you're <laughs> You're you're making my point for me, but no, okay. No, no, no. These people these people are fully employed and insured. They've got a great health package, four hundred one k dental. They're hired by the promotion. Uh, they can leave at any time, but they are basically if you win the championship, they then are to work in service. Nothing illicit, but you know you need like you need somebody to cheat for you, or you need somebody to cut a promo, or run and get you coffee, whatever. Nothing illicit. Come on. I just I, I don't I, I I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say no to that one, dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, all right. It's the last time I give you the pencil. That's all right. All right. Next call. Hey there, Adam. Joe. It is the other JP here, and just calling in. So uh, yeah. Um, this uh, week, um, it definitely reminded me that um, my uh, shoot brother um, does. L- Kind of, he has that uh, Hulk hairstyle. So, um, and I just saw it with, um, you know, watching the playback, seeing me and uh, me and Hook, um, you know, our little chat backstage about how I'm going to go mm-hmm. uh, up and uh, go up against Sonata, but uh, no biggie there. But I just realized that I need to drop a picture of me and my brother um, and look and see how. Um, closely, the two of us resemble um, Jungle Hulk, of course, uh, already. So, when it comes to a wrestler for match recommendations, um, I'm not sure if it's going to be easy on y'all or if it's going to be hard on y'all, because it'll be hard to choose just a small handful, but um, I'm going to let y'all splurge and um, give me some um, Terry Tuesday homework. Terry Funk. <laughs> um <laughs> Obviously, I've seen the uh, the uh, match between him and Cactus Jack. Um, you know that iconic one. Um, so yeah, if there's any more, let me know. Um, I believe um, I've seen, I've watched um, parts of. I haven't watched the full um, feud between him and Flair after um, coming back from uh, for being that well, whatever Starcade that was. Um, 85? Oh, no, I don't know. No. I don't know the dates. Y'all are supposed to. Alrighty, let me know. Alright, I just gotta say right off the rip. First enough, first of all, it's bad enough that the other GB has to call in every single week and rub in our face like, oh, I'm so good looking. I've got great hair. I'm chiseled. I'm a really good athlete. But now he's like, oh, by the way, my brother looks like Hook and we're both beautiful. Stop rubbing it in my face, all right? Second of all, I recommend The Demon versus Terry Funk from the January 25th, 2000 episode of Thunder. (laughs) So obviously this is more of a question for 
uh, DJ over on We Need Wrestling, right? Yeah. Um, he is the capital T Terry Funk fan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a piker compared to DJ. <laughs> but uh, I will say this. Um, you, JB's on the right track with the Ric Flair feud 1989. Um, from the pay-per-view where F- Funk does the turn, comes out of retirement, and it's, you know, people talk about the summer of punk, hop it's the summer of funk is where the money's at, right? Mm-hmm. So you just look up Terry Funk 1989 and watch any of those matches. Watch all of those matches. Um, the match that happens at the Clash of Champions, October-ish, New York Knockout, it's an I Quit match, which unofficially becomes also a retirement match, is one of my top five favorite matches of all time. There's a match at another pay-per-view that I just saw, like, gift the other day where it's Ricky Steamboat versus Terry Funk, and that's amazing. I know you're going to be shocked by all of these statements, but don't sleep on Terry Funk's WWF run from 85 into 86. Um, It falls apart a little bit once it turns into a tag team with him and Dory, a.k.a. Haas Funk, but... Terry Funk has two or three really good televised, whether it be like Madison Square Garden or Saturday Night Main Event matches with Hogan, where like even he gets a countout victory over Hogan. Um, and those are all really good. So 1985-86 Terry Funk in WWF, 1989 Terry Funk, uh, the whole program, like he's got a match with Sting in there. He's got a match with Steamboat in there. He's got a variety of tag matches against Flair and other opponents in that 89 run. But um, DJ will give you a plethora of Japanese matches for you to check out. I guarantee it. Yeah, I don't think it'll take long either. <laughs> uh, well, the show, yeah, thanks for the call, JB. The show will go up a little bit late. You know, obviously, and then DJ will listen to it sometime Friday afternoon, and then by, like, Friday night, you'll have, like, a laundry list of them, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, it is pink button time. Uh, Ed has called three times. <laughs> so, batting down the hatches. Yeah. Hey, John, I have a miss that. Uh, hopefully, you can hear me. Uh, some calling at work. I wanted to call it right now before I forget, because I just started listening to the show. Um... So I follow football in the sense that I have a favorite team because I grew up watching a lot of football. But I don't – I haven't watched the Super Bowl in like three years. Like, when's the last time Tom Brady was in? That's the last time I watched. I really like Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, if you put a gun to my head right now, I don't think I could name 10 players. <laughs> <laughs> But Joe sounds really gung ho about it, so I'm down. Let's fucking do this. Yeah. Let's get some money. Day by day. The soon to be named Network Fantasy Football League is not going to be a bit. It is a serious money league consisting of serious professional gambling football fans. So, Like uh, me and Ed. <laughs> no, it's all right. You guys can start a rival. Rival right. promotion. You can start the XFL of fantasy football Ooh. leagues. Im Ed, we're going to be on that. Me and you are going to be <laughs> XFL, and we're not going to let anyone else in. <laughs> All right, next call. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, let's talk Max Landis. 
Because <laughs> oh, it's fun. Because it's fun to do. Um. So, Joe, uh, I know you've seen it. Maybe Adam might have. Uh, the trailer for um, the newest part of the Kryptonian epic, uh, Max Landis' YouTube series. And um, are people just not finding out that this is a thing? Because I've, I've watched a lot of these. They're awful. I love it. They're so bad. He's Max Landis is a terrible actor. I love him. He's so, so, so bad. But here's my question. Um, do you think that he knows they're bad? And he's just like, fuck it. This is my medium to tell a story, and this is what I want to do. Or does, or does he think he's making good shit? <laughs> Because, like, I can tell you, I've watched hours of this, um, and it's, it's not it's not any good. I, I love it. Um, I wish he wasn't canceled, because I wish more people could see this. It's it's so, so fucking good. Uh, that weirdo's line, was like, you're one of the weirdos. Oh, my God, Joe, it's so fucking good. It's... <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to call it and just talk about uh, awful things. Thing two, uh, just real quick, and I just I it happened today, and I was like, I should I should let Joe know about this. Um, I listened to Eric's Magic Calls, and uh, the day after Chris Benoit, uh, all that stuff happens on that Monday. He gets really mad at Howard Stern because Howard Stern's Chris Benoit killed his family, and Eric said that you don't know that because WWE is filled with a lot of cool wrestlers and divas, and that maybe his wife did it. <sighs> and then he, he's not gonna call him the show anymore. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> so Eric, uh, the actor, and how dare you, uh, was maybe an original Chris Benoit truther that uh, <laughs> there was foul play involved, not involving him. Mm. Again, he really loved World Wrestling Entertainment. And I'll just say this to you. Uh, obviously, social media did exist when the Chris Benoit ha- thing happened, but it was in its infancy. Imagine social media today and the Benoit tragedy happening. Like, w- it would be the wildest thing. It would be just like El- Elon Musk would shutter Twitter. He'd be like, it's gone too far. You people are out of control. I'm taking the loss on this one, and I'm just closing Twitter. You're all gone, right? Yeah, I mean, you would have your segment of the fan base that would just refuse to acknowledge that Benoit is dead. Uh, then there would be the people that would say that, like, clearly Benoit didn't do it, you know, like, and uh, the people that would use it as a stance to shut down WWE, you know, like the AEW fans that are like, oh, look, can you believe this is happening there? It would be pretty interesting. The people that are that would celebrate it happening, you know. Now, uh, the other thing that he mentioned in regards to Max Landis, uh, Adam, how familiar with Max Landis are you? Uh, I know that, like, I know who he is. I know he's canceled. I know he did that stupid little thing where he sits in a chair and explains the reign of Superman while he drinks alcohol that he got kind of famous for briefly. Uh, but beyond that, I know he did an intro for the stink sheet and I refuse to watch whatever that video that Ed insisted I watch. Right. You, you made the right call. Um, he, did you ever see the thing that he did called wrestling? Isn't wrestling? No, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Okay. I might, because then I'd have to watch it again. See, this is, 
This is where like you, like you get this thing. It's like I'm gonna make Joe watch this horrible thing, and then I'm like, all right, let's go. I'm excited to watch it, and then you're like, oh shit, and I gotta watch it too, you know. Mm-hmm. But he did this thing about like, and it was like this long, drawn out thing. It's like forty fucking minutes long. And, like, he got Triple H and Stephanie to retweet it, and this was a time where he was not writing for the WWE, but he was definitely advising for their storylines during one of their, like, down shitty periods. And the video is essentially about, like, how Triple H is the greatest character in WWE history, and here's why. That's essentially what the wrestling is wrestling video is, right? It was him sucking up to Triple H. Um, at any point in your life, if you say Triple H is or was your favorite wrestler, then you suck and you don't know what wrestling <laughs> is, period. That, that's, just, I'm sorry that you had to find out this way. It's the truth. <laughs> but I think what Max Landis is doing currently and has ever done, he thinks is the best thing that's ever been done. Because I think he was raised like he is, and I... It's going to be the first time that I ever say these words, and it'll be the last time that I ever say them, that he is the perennial Nepo baby, where his entire life he was told that every creative thing that he did was good, and his dad was actually a very creative person outside of, you know, killing three people on the set of a movie, but again, he did American Mistakes. You're right, he did American Werewolf in London. So listen, I don't know those people. I know American <laughs> Werewolf in London, right? Um, so his dad, who was a very famous and very successful um, you know, person in the movies, told Max Landis at a very young age that the stuff that he was doing was great. So he's like, oh, well, if my dad, who obviously knows great things, says my stuff is great, then it very clearly is great, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that he's ultra super mega canceled and he'll never be involved in actual Hollywood. It's like, well, this is the best I could do with, you know, being canceled and not having a budget or not having real actors or anything else like that. But imagine like, and with these restrictors on me, I'm putting out a plus plus material. (laughs) Imagine if I had an, an actual budget and a studio behind me. Oh, it'd be a, quadruple plus material right because Mm -hmm. that's the sort of sick individual that he is and he's also an abuser and a piece of shit and uh let's never speak of him again he's on the list he's on the list of people now ed when you're like oh i like this one it's like what about kanye what about russell brand what about david Starr? what about max landis and i'd say in about two and a half months we're gonna put phil back on that list (laughs) Max Landis definitely sounds like somebody who his dad should have taken his drawing from kindergarten. Like when he handed it to him, instead of putting it on the fridge, it should have been crumpled up in his face and thrown out. And that would have yeah. humbled him some. Why couldn't have John Landis been more of an absentee father? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, at last call. Uh, hey, Joe and Adam. It's, uh, I'm like half asleep and I found a YouTube channel that puts up ECW fan cams, and I was like, oh, shoot, is that Tiger Mask in the thumbnail? And it is. It's Tiger Mask versus Great Sasuke, and, like, the day after Christmas of 97, and they're in Queens, and, like, everybody seemed real hype during introductions, and then, like, within, I don't know, three minutes, they're chanting, uh, bullshit at Tiger Mask, because he's doing an on bar. And then they all just start chanting Hiroshima. Um, so, like, 
is the Queen's crowd saying that they're all, like, fucking stupid and racist? Is that what the Queen's crowd deal was? Because, like, I know you said there's a difference between, like, the Philly crowd and the Queen's crowd. And I just wonder if that's the Queen's crowd's deal, that they're all uh, just the goddamn stupidest people in the world. So, uh, yeah, give me a little info on that, cause they seem really fucking stupid. Okay, bye. Yeah, I always talking about. <laughs> so, um, I, I I can say so. I don't want to say, and just the Queen's crowd are stupid, ignorant racists. Um, I could say the Philly crowd was also stupid, ignorant racists. Uh, I could say that the Jim Thorpe crowd was also stupid, ignorant racists. Mm-hmm. Multiple people at the Jim Thorpe shows uh, in 1995 would wear a shirt that said the real boys in the hood and have a picture of the Ku Klux Klan on it at the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Philly show and it never made TV. It was because it was the infamous um, fire chair incident show uh, yeah. where there was a two cold Scorpio versus Rocka Rock singles match that was delayed um, because the crowd chanted every black wrestler in the history of wrestling at two cold Scorpio in a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think wrestling fans in the 90s in general were racist. Um, you know, if you look at some of the crowds as you get deeper into the Attitude Era, you know, and I just think the world was more racist from, like, 1994 to, like, sadly now. But um, I think ECW shows had, like, a more concentrated grouping of them when you get that many attention deficit criminals together. You know, you're going to get them chanting. I'm sure they chanted, like, anti-Semitic stuff at people. Um, I'm sure they chanted, like, all sorts of slurs for Italian people at, like, poor, uh, full-blooded Italians like Tracy Smothers and Tommy Rich, you know? (laughs) Um, I I know they chanted when the the, the, the full-blooded Italian gimmick first started, and it was J.T. Smith. Um, was pretending to be Italian. They would chant all sorts of, you know, racist Italian things at him, right? And then racist black things at him. So it was like a twofer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's what ECW crowds were like. Um, I'd like to think that I never did those things. Um, I probably laughed at them, which is just as bad. Um, but yeah, they're all horrible people. That's all. Yeah. Um, slightly off topic, Ed, congratulations that uh, you'll soon be going to see twice in concerts in Chicago. Um, I just want to say I've seen a lot of the videos and pictures you've put up on social media, and uh, they might have caught my attention. So if you don't want something, you know, unfortunate to happen, send some, send me some money to my PayPal. Uh, if you don't, you know what will happen. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and hey, lastly, um, you know, obviously before we get to the plugs and weekly purchase and all that sort of jazz, um, um, things were busy. We didn't get a chance to watch Dark Side of the Ring yet. Um, and I'll be honest with you, because it was the Graham family and I know how depressing all of that ends up being. Um, I wasn't in a real hurry to watch it, but mm. we'll double up maybe next week with that and uh, Matt Bourne doing the clown stuff. Yeah, probably. 
you know, we'll be down for a solid probably. Okay. Uh, I, I do have the Graham family deal here in the hopper to watch, but um, yeah, we'll we'll maybe throw that in next week, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, um, we mentioned Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium before. Promo code at odds for a new subscriber. Let's Jerry know that you came to him from us. Uh, T Public Store. The sale is next week for thirty five percent off everything. Um, our eBay affiliate link, of course, is on the page, whether in the show notes for when you're getting the episode or over at AtOddsWrestling.com. Uh, when you click on links to various merchants on the site and make a purchase, this can result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner Network. Yeah. I guess I'll talk about the Patreon or the podcast that you should listen to. And those podcasts are, as I scroll down, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, and Hi, Boosie, a wrestling adjacent podcast. Adjacent. What'd I say? I said, and again, it's not a wrestling podcast. It's wrestling adjacent. Yes. Yes. Uh, so let's get to uh, Adam's favorite part of the show. Yeah. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> Joe, uh, I had a reasonably big week. Not a large dollar amount, but I bought a lot of little things. And uh, how about you? Did you buy anything? Yeah, I bought a bunch of little things, too. All right. Well, I'll just say a couple weeks ago, I had bought or I had pre-ordered from Big Bad Toy Store. They had an exclusive McFarlane, uh, the Flash figure that was like limited to 3,000 pieces because it was kind of like monotone colors uh but they basically did the same thing with superman also limited to one of the three thousand so i ordered that and they're actually both shipping this week because i guess they're part of like the san diego comic-con exclusives you know like a lot of retailers will not actually sell something at a con but they'll put it for sale and say that it was a san diego thing but yeah so i ordered a superman mcfarland figure okay would you what's something you got so my Blu-ray player finally came in. Yay. And I was able to pull out all the extra cords and stuff. Got the old VCR DVD combo out, which was literally the size of like it was it, it just so ridiculous the fact that I still had this thing I was using it as a DVD player, right? Mm-hmm. Um and the Blu-ray player that I got was, you know, listen, it was on the cheaper side. I'm just not looking for anything crazy just yet because I don't have the upgrade on the TV yet. But now in the living room, we have um, no less than three different things, four different things that HDMI in. And we only have two HDMI ports on my TV. So I had to get one of those HDMI uh, splitter deals. Okay. 
I heard uh, a nasty rumor that Todd was willing to give you one, but you, you flat out refused. Yep, I told him to go fuck himself. I don't want your <laughs> hand-me-downs. Um, I've mentioned before on the pod a bunch of times that Bioshock Infinite is one of my favorite video games. It's something that I play at least maybe like every other year all the way through, like the storyline for it. And back when that game first came out in like 2007 or whatever, NECA had figures for the game and they basically did like two of the bad guys. They did the protagonist and they did a character called Elizabeth. And for the longest time I had the Elizabeth figure on my eBay watch list. And I finally got one at like a really good price because for whatever reason, I don't know if they just didn't make a lot of them or whatever. At NECA figures don't generally go up a lot unless there's some kind of like con exclusive, but this one was like hard to get at a reasonable price, but I got one. Uh, really cheap in my eyes. Again, Bioshock Infinite Elizabeth. And then as soon as it arrived, I was like, oh, I can finally delete this off of my watch list or my saved search list. And then I was like, well, do I want the other guy? Like, do I want the other main character? And I was like, oh, shit, here we go again. So I just I have to search for another figure. I thought I was out on buying Bioshock Infinite figures, but I got another one to look for. Uh, do you have a shelf for these ones or what are you doing with them? No, they're just going to go in the toy room somewhere. I got—I mean, there is a NECA Ultimate shelf of where I have, like, the Back to the Future NECA figures, and I think I have, like, an Uncharted figure and a Casey Jones and stuff like that, the things that are in the NECA-style boxes. But because this is an older NECA figure, it's still in the clear plastic, like the full clear plastic, like a clamshell. Back when they didn't give a, give a shit about plastic in the packages, uh, so it's just somewhere in the toy room. You We're can't coming even... back around. We're coming back yeah. around to it, you know. Yeah. Oh, but you remember, like, this is if you remember, like, the early Marvel Legends, where there just there wasn't even a cardboard back to the box. It was just plastic on all four sides. That's what yeah. these necklaces were like. Gotcha. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm never opening it, so they actually hold up better. You don't have to worry about the boxes getting dinged. Yeah, that's true. What else did you get, Joe? So, uh, a couple weeks ago, mentioned of the show, um, started filling in the gaps, um, you know, for the Patreon show for Longbox Heroes. We're doing previewing the past. Um, you know, 30 years ago, that previews catalog, it was an idea that came up, Christ, um, mid-2019, and we've been doing it since. Um... You know, I, I purchased a bunch of, like, 90, 91, 92, 93 kind of piecemeal and things together. And then I was told that we had all of 94 and 95 from an anonymous donor. And then as we're getting closer to 94, Todd went through and he saw one was missing July of 1994, um, which I th- – um, right. Um, yeah, July of 1994 – so I had to pick that up. There was a guy who was selling it. Of course, make offer. I don't make an offer, but I watch it. I get the offer from him, which is lower than what I was going to make offer at anyway. So I picked that up. So now we have up to the middle of 1996 to do previewing the past. So we're good for another three and a half years. Two and a half years. Two and a half years, yeah. All right, cool. And by that point, the podcast episodes on Patreon will be about six hours long. Possibly. Yeah. Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I bought um, some old 
WWE Tops UK uh, Major Brothers cards. Remember yes. when I sent you the picture and it was like, oh, look how like they were babies. They had long hair. So there's a lot of old uh, Broski and Hawkins uh, cards that I was looking for that just don't pop up that often because they're all some type of weird international exclusive. So I'm going to send you a text message. I got a card on eBay and it was dirt cheap, but it was one of them that I was missing. It is another 2008 UK uh, Hawkins and Ryder card. This is when they were the Edgeheads, and I broke the bank at paying uh, like less than three dollars shipped on it. But I got that, and uh, it completes like because I had gotten the individual version of that card. Because if you remember, there was a Hawkins card and there was a Broski card. This is like the two of them together. And I had mentioned that I still needed that when I announced them a couple weeks ago. For something called Slam Attacks? Yeah, it was like a playable card game type thing, you know, like a Pokemon. Oh. But it was, I guess, only released in Europe. They didn't do a U.S. version. So I bought that card, and obviously it was relatively cheap. And I was like, all right. There's so many of these weird exclusives that I'm getting confused what I have, what I need. So I made like a master list of what, again, I'm talking pre-haircut stuff. So it has to be like old, old stuff. And I realized, okay, I'm missing this, this, and this, and this. And I made a list. And there was actually a bunch of them already on eBay. So I just did one swoop and knocked off like... 80% 80% of what I needed, and I'm sending you a list, the picture. Um, one of the cards is actually one, that if you look at the list, I won't mention it, but it's the second one down. I already had that, but I was like, oh, I'll grab another one. But <laughs> the one at the very bottom is actually the most interesting, and Myers talked about this on the pod probably like six months ago because somebody sent it to him, and he was like, holy shit, I didn't know this existed. And it was a 2009 slam attacks mini card that was given away free with sabrita's chips or you know nachos or tortillas or whatever it was in mexico so like the only way you can get that card was to randomly open a bag of chips and hope that you got it in there so it's like a weird ass exclusive uh but that was like along with four other cards that I bought from that era. So I only need three more cards to have every one I'm looking for. But unfortunately, the three I need, I haven't seen on eBay yet. Hmm. Has Brian ever mentioned them on the show? Obviously, that's casting a very wide net, you know? It's it's hard to... He might have, but in, like, the whatever four-plus years, I don't remember every card. I just remember the chip story because of it being, like, how weird is that that he has a random card that was exclusive to mexico like that yeah yeah Um, i'm sure they have all of their cards you know but it's just a matter of tracking them down and unfortunately the myers ones are easier to find than the broski ones Hmm. you know but uh i like i said i got most of what i need i i literally just need another european exclusive broski and there's i think one other card with the two of them on it and i'll have every one of them that's like pre woo 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 (laughs) well good luck hopefully you can get the three that you're missing i always say you know check your facebook marketplaces check um mercari's like the oddball places outside of ebay you know 
Well, now that I have my save search, like I know what I am missing. Because before I was just setting up like a wide net of like 2008 Meyer or two or 2008 Hawkins, 2008 Ryder or whatever, or the major brothers. So it was a wide net that was catching a bunch of junk. But now that I know specifically the three cards I need, yeah, I've, like deleted all my old save searches around the topic, and I put out new ones that are more more specific. You know, gotcha. Did you buy anything else, Joe? I did. Adam, uh, have you ever heard of the uh, new site called Timu? Ah, I believe I have heard. It's like a site that all the kids are talking about these days. Yes, all the kids are talking about. Um, I saw it advertised on a podcast I listened to a couple weeks ago, mentioned it to my kid, and it's advertising a lot of like things for teens and younger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the best way I could explain it is it's a cross between Amazon and Wish, um, if you're familiar with Wish, I'm sure people are familiar with Amazon, Hawk Patui. And <laughs> I, I want to throw, I, I, I don't have it loaded up, but this is a light, uh, all heat, no heaters uh, thing where we got our affiliate status taken away by Amazon like four months ago, right? Yep. And this week I've gotten two emails from Amazon um about like oh we're doing like an affiliates thing and like you know make sure you sign up and find out about it and like i can't log into my account because the account's suspended so the second email i got i replied to them and i'm like you suspended my account four months ago i tried to reopen it and you denied it i unsubscribed from these emails at that time now i'm getting them again and because my account is uh suspended i can't unsubscribe from these emails Mm-hmm. Either reinstate my affiliate status so I can unsubscribe from these emails or stop sending me these emails. <laughs> so anyway, a bunch of the stuff that my kid watches and plays and so forth has these Timu ads on there. And listen, it's it's a piece of junk. I guarantee it'll be it'll be a piece of junk. It looks like a Game Boy Color, okay? And it mm-hmm. advertises that it has 400 games on it. Now I know it ain't 400 Game Boy games on there, right? Yeah, but it was seven bucks, and he's like, "I want it. Here's seven bucks. Could you order it for me?" I'm like, "Yeah, whatever, right?" So the problem with Timu is it's a ten dollar minimum on your order. You can't order anything less than ten bucks. So I'm like, "Okay, what could I get for less than three dollars with tax and everything else <laughs> rounded up?" So I'm searching, searching, searching because I don't want to just like, "Oh, I'll just get this random thing for me that I know will be a piece of junk that I spent a bunch of money on just so I can get over that $10 threshold. I'm going to kiss up as close to that $10 threshold, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I found a pair of earbuds that kind of sort of look like wired earbuds that kind of sort of look like the ones that I use on a regular basis that were like $3.02. And when everything was said and done with tax, my total was $10.19. So I'm over $10. So... I got myself another pair of earbuds off Timu. We'll see how they work. There is legitimate stuff on Timu. The monitor that my wife got for me for my birthday, I searched it out on Timu. And they're like, I'm like, oh, it's a monitor. It's got speakers built in. It's only like 70 bucks or whatever it is. So I ran like the SKU through Amazon and Best Buy and a bunch of other sites. And the SKU came up with like the same model. And it was like within $5 of the Timu price. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, there's legitimate stuff on Timu, but it's a site that I'm not familiar with, so I don't feel comfortable ordering from it, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but my kid wanted the thing, so I have a Timu account. I ordered something from Timu. Um, I'm sure when the thing comes in and it's a piece of junk, 
uh, he'll be done with it, and hopefully mm-hmm. the earbuds, uh, if they're a piece of junk, I'll just feed them to my cat, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious how that gaming thing works out, because a lot of times what these things are, whether they're on, like, anywhere from, like, AliExpress or Amazon or whatever, they're just running, they're Android-based, they run an emulator, and it's like, here's a ton of, like, Nintendo games, and it'll just, it might be shaped like a Game Boy, but, like, they'll have the all the old 8-bit Nintendo games yeah. on it and, like, 16-bit games for the Super Nintendo and whatever. Because I've been tempted to buy one of those cheap uh, consoles that are on Amazon that's like, yeah. oh, 10,000 games for 50 bucks. Just because even though I know half of those games are just, like, Japanese ROMs of, like, the U.S. games, I still just want something that I can play Mario Brothers on. You know, like Mario 1, 2, 3, that kind of stuff. But uh, I have, you know, I'm, obviously I, I have the SNES Mini, you know, which <laughs> is uh, what have you. But then I have on my list, and it actually came good reviews. It's a little bit more expensive. It's this thing. It's 120 bucks. If you can yeah. see it on the screen there. Yep, yep. Um, and it has 11,700 games on it. <laughs> yeah. I've watched some YouTube reviews of some of those things. And like I said, it's just like, they'll be like, all right, here's Mario Brothers 1. But then here's 50 other versions of it in different languages. Yes. And they're counting that as 50 different games. Right. You know, and so that's, that's what I'm going to out. Right, because they don't give you the full list of the games, you know? Yeah. And they didn't give you the full list of the games on the thing, uh, the Game Boy thing that I got for my kid. But I'll roll the dice on his $7. I won't yeah. roll the dice on my $120, you know? Yeah, and some of the ones that I have, I think I have one or two on my Amazon wish list that are maybe in, like, the $60 range, you know? Like, I've managed to figure out which ones are a little bit less, because I don't, I don't need two controllers or any of that shit, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're all garbage, but I still want to try one. Right, and I'll let you know how this one is when it comes in. Cool. Um, what inspired him to look into this was, um, you know, with the celebration at McDonald's around Grimace's birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's web-based, but it looks like the Game Boy Color interface. It's a um, Grimace skating game. Okay. And then, of course, because he plays that, then his YouTube recommendations are all like, uh, we review the top 10 Pokemon knockoff games. We review the top 10 Mario knockoff games. And then he's watching those. So then he gets like the knockoff games in his head. And I think he knows that it's going to be mostly knockoff games. But I think he just wants to give it a try as well, you know? Yeah. Eh, seven bucks, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And then my $3 for earbuds that I usually <laughs> buy, like the top of the line ones for like that are for my MP3 player off of Amazon Hawk Patui for six bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, my last thing, and this isn't a purchase, but friend of the show, Zach from Rubber City Toys, sent me along one of his latest productions i'm going to shoot it over to you this is actually something that i talked about when i saw him tease it a, a month or so ago over on instagram uh but he sent me the glow in the dark doomhausen figure oh look at that that's pretty funky yeah and the glow feature on it i took a picture and i sent it to joe it's uh of what it looks like glowing uh it's got some solid glow to it but really nice figures i like these like kind of boutique small business wrestling figures like he did one for uh uh, Derek Dillinger and Eddie Only and Dan, other Danhausen ones, and I, I think that if you're like a toyetic man wearing a mask with husks on it, and you got shafted out of getting a major bendy, maybe something like this would be uh, uh, a suitable like 
what do we say? Just to tide them over until the big fig deal comes in, you know, like a, a smaller production thing like Rubber City Toys does. But uh, thank you, Zach. This thing's awesome. I had, like I had said that I wanted one, and he hooked me up. So uh, I'll be tweeting this out tomorrow. Now, um, is this an officially licensed or recognized piece of Danhausen merchandise? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if the answer to that question. I'd assume it is just because of the fact that like, uh, and again, I'm, I don't, I don't base this on anything, but like, I know that, that a lot of, uh, Zach stuff, rubber city toy stuff has been sold by the wrestlers at their gimmick table. But I also know that Mr. Daniel Housen has been under fire lately for like, uh, arguing with people over licensing of merch and stuff like that. So I don't know if this one was, was done with a blessing or not. I assume it was, but yes, he's been very gotten to housing lately. <laughs> yes. He's been an angry little boy housing. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sure all his dreams will come true and everything will be better this Saturday. <laughs> yeah. But regardless of that, it's a really cool little figure. Yeah. Is that it? That's all. That's all I got. Like I said, just a couple, like a lot of cheap cards. Those uh, figures that I pre-ordered that were non-wrestling. Again, this is two weeks in a row. Uh, if you don't count the Doomhausen figure uh, without a wrestling figure purchased, I did get my CM Punk versus MJF Blood and Guts figure in today. Oh, okay. And the, and the box is shit. Oh, that's they sick. crammed it into a priority mailbox that had no business going into, with like. Like I don't want to say there was not enough room for padding. There wasn't enough room for the actual figure box. Uh like I'm I'm super pissed. Like you 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 spend sixty dollars and then you wait like five months, you know, and they take your money right off the rip. And it's like, oh hey, we 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 they should have just thrown a fucking stamp on the thing. At least saved in recycling, you know, not waste the money on the box. Just throw a stamp on the figure and just send it to me. It would have came in the same condition. But I got that. So what are you doing? You looking to get a re uh, a replacement on it, or you just? Uh, honestly, uh, my buddy's kid's birthday is coming up, and he I buy him wrestling figures. I might just give him that, and then wait for it to go on sale and buy another one. You know? Gotcha. So I just opened it up, and I was like, "This this is why a, a collector of my stature can't buy figures if you're not buying them in person." Like, like I hate ordering in the mail from these companies that don't treat them like collectibles and just be like, nah, it's, it's still sealed. Take it. You know what? What company did you buy this from? It's a ringside exclusive. Oh, ringside collectibles. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you would think they would know how to handle collectibles a little bit better. Well, they're, yeah, they, they don't guarantee mint on box except for when they sell the uh, damage packaged ones for a dollar less, you know? Yeah. So apparently they can't tell the difference. <sighs> but that wasn't an all heat no heaters that was just a me not buying wrestling figure story yeah i got nothing really like uh you know there's been nothing really striking my fancy you know there was the announcement of the eddie kingston walmart figure yeah. there was a teased la night basic mm -hmm. um you know but no official announcement on that but um yeah those are the things i could see we'll see what people have at the merch tables uh at lvac this this uh this weekend you know, typically I'm more of a uh, food guy at the shows. I, I I partake in the vegan treats and stuff that they have there. But uh, yeah, we'll see what new stuff is there. Yeah, no, I'll definitely I'll have to go over and get some. I I need to get some Mark photos. Yeah, I don't think I got any last time I was at Elvac. I think the time before you did, but not the yeah. 
Yeah, I think the the time before, I think it was CPA and, you know, obviously friends of the show and whatnot. But uh, last time I did it, I wanted to get a picture with uh, Ian Riccoboni last time. But, like, I had, like, I, I was outside and I missed him and things came up. But, so... Yeah, if if, if if he's there, there's a good chance he'll be there tomorrow. No guarantees, but if he is, I'll make sure to point you in his direction or vice versa. How about that? Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I got to do a better job, you know? Yes. But that's it for me, Joe. All right, that's it for me as well. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the, the show this week. Of course, this was episode 246 of At Odds With Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.